I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shot my cake hole. You're so good. <laughs> the hand motions. Like every time, I will say every time I listen, I'm like, well, how's, how's Jamie going to say it today? Yes. <laughs> how's it going to sound today? It's always, it's always an experience. <laughs> I like the addition of the hand motions though, because that, now I'm going to picture that. Normally only I get the hand motions. So this is an <laughs> exciting experience where we get to share them. And today we're joined by an extra special guest, Abigail of the Saving People Queering Things podcast previously, also Driver Picks the Podcast. Abigail, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm so excited to be here. We are very excited to have you. And today we are going to be discussing the 13th episode of the third season of Supernatural titled Ghost Faces. Jamie and Abigail, what did you think? Okay, so I'm just going to start the episode with this because I want everyone to understand. I don't know what his name is, but the gay dude that died is Ted. Corbett. Yes. He's Ted from yes, Shrink Shrink. And yes, that's how I is. think of him in my brain, so he's Ted now. <laughs> if I refer to Ted in this episode, that's who I mean. I was really hoping that you had seen Shits Creek because yeah. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to really want to mention that. And if you don't know Shits Creek, it's going to be sad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no. That was one of my first notes. I was like, we have to mention that this is Ted from Shit's Tiny Creek. baby Ted. Tiny baby Ted. He's so little. He's in his little polo shirt with a little curly hair. Right. Oh, I, that actor, I actually don't know his name. I probably Dustin should have looked around. Dustin it's Milligan. Um, He's yeah. very fun. I like him a lot. I think Ted is one of my favorite characters in Shit's Creek and Corbett is an excellent character in the show until obviously he's not for a um, one-off character he's really he's a really lovely one yeah he's really lovely um and unfortunately he's not around for very long and we say that we have to say that too often don't we yeah <laughs> it's on par for supernatural but that doesn't mean it's okay <laughs> no what gets me about this is like they buried the gay for the joke because they did want to make that joke at the end of well, A, the really iconic line of, like, gay love can pierce through the veil of death and save the day. And B, it was a gay love confession that snapped him out of the death echo phase to actually be, like, a proper spirit so that he could vanish into a cloud of sand. Yeah, the consistency with um, spirits is... We're going to just not... She's just not addressing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think though... I guess now I wasn't I wasn't planning on bringing it up straight away but I guess I did <laughs> and I think maybe it's a good idea to just get it out of the way so that we can appreciate the rest of the episode for for what it is which is that obviously yes the choice to again introduce a gay character purely to kill them because they did it with Lily and yeah. now they're doing it again with Corbett and it's obviously yeah. a problem not just in Supernatural but in media in general um but mm-hmm. he, obviously here specifically we're going to talk about supernatural um and it is un- <laughs> unfortunately a recurring issue that the show has the, the thing that I find interesting about this episode in regards to that is that I can never quite tell at the end of the episode when Ed is giving the speech to Corbett's death echo whether or not it's supposed to be implied that Ed also liked him I, I just, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because this is, because I would be less annoyed, I think. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> if it was genuine and he actually if liked Ed him back. genuinely liked him and just, it took him to that moment to sort of realise it, you know? 
I would be less annoyed than if he was just doing it as a performative thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's if it's just strategic. So I think, okay, when I was rewatching this episode, I have a whole theory. And it, it's basically like I feel like there are two ways to look at this episode. There's the there's the way that I think again, I can't, I'm not in the writers or creators' brains. I'm just judging this based on like it being 2007, 2008. There's the the way in which it's all kind of coached as a joke and it is performative and it's all just sort of 2007's way of talking shitty about shitty humor yeah yeah shitty humor another way <laughs> we want to queer up all of it and I know I'm making leaps oh here please do <laughs> please do don't hesitate to make leaps hell you can even bound <laughs> <laughs> we will bound um so I was watching Ed and Harry a lot this episode this time I was watching their relationship and I was being mm-hmm. like okay they have a really interesting relationship they so do. first off there's this scene I think I don't think it's in this one I think it's in the previous time we met them where they're like this is our you know our show doing well this is our ticket to sex with girls with girls yes okay for point one Ed and Harry are sleeping together and yeah. have <laughs> Um, so my whole theory hinges on like Ed and Harry are together and the reason that he's so mad about him kissing the sister is because he's he's jealous and they're and so and in that scenario then the whole you know you have to go be gay for for that poor dead intern Mm -hmm. is less about him performing queerness for that moment regardless of whether or not he likes Corbett it's more about him it's it's it has it rings differently if like that character if they're both actually queer regardless of whether or not he's into like he's interested in in Corbett it's not about feigning interest in Corbett it's about whether he's acting gay yeah for that moment or whether he is genuinely gay or bi or some other form. yeah well and I think yeah 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 and I think there's valid interpretation on either perspective honest quite honestly yeah I do think think from the writer's perspective it is far more likely that they were just doing it as a joke yes oh far more likely but (laughs) I'm like we get to be the ones that watch it again they forget that jokes are actual canon canon (laughs) yeah I'm like you can't put these jokes in so many times and then expect us to not be like we can look at these a different way (laughs) we can look at this very differently improvise adapt overcome <laughs> I also think like with that, it, it reinterprets a lot of the comments in the episode and even just like the way that Ed and Harry relate to each other and the, that scene where he gives like him saying, you know, go be d- gay for that poor dead intern. It's also about, you know, him sort of releasing that relationship a little bit, like recognizing what they've been through in the episode, the whole thing with the sister, like all of that. That's almost them. That's also Ed and Harry reconciling a little bit over this experience and then kind of coming to some closure on that I while you were speaking about how like you know we'll decide to make it you know queer because that's what you know that's how we see it so that's how we're gonna experience it I love that it did make me think of a supernatural quote (laughs) so I I did quickly search it uh and I think I mean you'll recognize it pretty immediately but it's what makes a story work is it the plot the characters, the text, the <laughs> subtext, and who gives the story meaning? Is it the writer or you? And I think that that yes. pretty much sums up, like, honestly, the entire, like, podcast community, really. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know what? You're right. 
we are in charge of this actually and you know ah, they're gay now thank you yeah thank you for coming from to my TED talk <laughs> this is my new this is my new theory on this episode I'm like Ed and Harry are gay they've been yeah. in a relationship you know but it's 2007 they can't be publicly in a relationship they or maybe they had a messy breakup maybe and everything that happens in this episode the the fact that they're just how cool how chill they are with everything that happens with Corbett there's no gay panic like yeah. not in the same way that gay panic happens even in other parts of Supernatural. Like there's no- There's no double take. Yeah, neither of them, like when they identify that that, like, you know, identifying that Corbett's in love with Ed is like very much just like an observation. He's like, yeah. oh no, I think he was in love with you. It's not like, oh, ha ha, he was in love with you. Yeah, and I think the thing for me that- I think that if it was the case that they were making the whole thing a joke it would really dampen my love for the episode but the way that I see it because of the way that that speech that Ed gives is delivered like I don't know if that Mm -hmm. was how it was described in the script or if that was the actor's decision or the director or whoever however but the fact that he actually is quite emotional genuinely upset and like he has the tears and like he's like genuinely giving reasons to Corbett for like why he like loved him whether that's romantic love or or not Mm -hmm. but he says you know because of these qualities that you have and it's not a just a generalized statement it's like no specifically these reasons are the reasons why I care about you and why we care about you you know for you and who you are and so that for me I was like okay it's it still feels like a bit of a, a weird edge Mm-hmm. for me yeah. like it's not yeah. totally comfortable but it's like yeah. not overtly bad enough that it actually makes me be like oh I don't like that I guess yeah yeah it's like a weird gray area <laughs> yeah and it's a lot of that has to do with the context of like when this episode is happening yeah more than the episode itself I can if I can separate it from that a little bit yeah and just look at the way the characters interact through the whole episode and also it was a uh, Ben Edlund episode. And, oh, it was. Okay, that. And Ben Edlund is typically pretty friendly in terms of queer storylines, as, yeah. as far as I remember anyway. I don't remember there being any particular yeah. <laughs> um, he's not a, He's not one of the offenders in terms of like real, some of the really shitty things that yeah. are done to queer characters exactly and I will say this I think this barrier gaze is still not as bad as the barrier gaze in the season two finale oh like Lily's the, is way worse yeah, yeah way worse Lily way dies worse. because she's like largely because she's queer yeah like because yeah like, yeah this feels less like a oh well he's gay so he's gonna die and more like oh well we needed someone to die and given Supernatural's track record <laughs> I do think that if they hadn't killed Corbett they would have had the same plot line but Maggie would have died do you know <laughs> what I mean like instead, yeah. they would have, instead of killing yeah. the queer character they would have killed the only female character like I do think that's probably what would have happened yeah that's not any better or worse it's just a fact I think like that's just yeah. probably how they would have gone like if it had been a heterosexual couple it would have been the woman to die like yeah I don't think it's really even a debate or a question. I think that's just, it would have been that way. They wouldn't have killed Ed or Harry. They wouldn't have done the flip of that. No. No. No way. Anywho, that aside. (laughs) So other than than the last five minutes, (laughs) the rest of the episode, what were some, like, 
I love this episode. I it's one of those ones where I was watching this morning by myself on my couch, just laughing out loud. Like it's just Same. funny. Did you have any like particular points that you wanted to talk about? Okay, so there's one specific point that I'd really like to talk about. It's not something that I think we're going to have a large, but I just want to say they take a dig at the writer's strike. Yes, they do. They take a massive dig at the writer's strike. And this is two episodes. Like we mystery spot if the writer's strike hadn't end hadn't been resolved. Yep. Resolved. Yeah, resolved is the right word. If it hadn't been resolved, mystery spot would have been the last episode. And that's two episodes ago. So it means like their immediate reaction upon the writer's strike being resolved is to write it as a, as a joke. <laughs> Which is just fucking hilarious. That whole introductory part. <laughs> The direct eye contact, the like swirling the finger around the rim of the gra- of the glass, the like dimming of the lights manually. <laughs> just that whole <laughs> intro is a vibe. That whole, the I love the whole concept of this episode. Look, if we had known, like, if I'd known, I would be like, we should have gotten like tuxes, <laughs> <laughs> dressed up, do a little video version where you're all. <laughs> what were you gonna say before? Sorry. It's a separate point. So it's mainly like, I, but I will make one point on this. Yeah, I think it's another example. Like Mystery Spot is similar where of like the supernatural writers being like, we can do creative meta stuff that isn't a normal straightforward plot. Like this whole episode, Sam and Dean are like the side. We're not getting any of this episode from like their perspective until like the very, very end. Yeah. And there is lots of interesting stuff to talk about when it comes to perspective in this episode actually hilariously I realized the last time you were on the pod I said to you I'm so excited to get to the ghost faces effect because I really <laughs> want to talk about it with Jamie and now you're here for it and I'm thrilled <laughs> yeah. well, it worked out really it worked out really well and it's also really funny because we're recording this the same week that Holy that Babylon. episode yeah. <laughs> that, that episode released yeah do you have any idea what the ghost faces effect is or could be <laughs> well I know vaguely I think so it's basically the whole idea that what we see as the television supernatural is filtered through somebody's vision yeah so <laughs> normally it's through I think the vision of Chuck or God or some shit like that blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> spoilery stuff for way later on but in this episode, we're I love seeing... that you say that as if you have any authority on the topic. <laughs> I like that you said somebody, and then you were like, "Well, I think this is what yeah. it is." <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Like, I'm gonna put fingers if I can. Like, I'm gonna be accurate here. So it's the idea that yeah, it's filtered. The normal TV show is sort of filtered through somebody's vision, yeah. and then this episode specifically is not filtered through the normal filters that we'd go through. It's just through like the lens of this pilot episode that. The yeah. ghost faces are trying to get up and off the ground. Yeah. And so you see them and they swear almost as much as we do. Yes. 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 Yeah. I fucking love the ghost faces effect. It's one of my favorite pieces of meta. It's just so fascinating for so many reasons. It, it makes so much sense. Like the, the little things about the show, the things that are kind of like sanitized in, in the show normally are not and the, like obviously the language is the biggest one but just like it's it, it's funny because I think about that you know I read a lot of fanfic and like fanfic exists outside of generally exists outside of the ghost spaceship like outside of the canon and also like is you know usually is the ghost spaceship effect it's it's usually not trying to be 
the same narrative perspective as the show. And so I have not read any, any fic that I read where they don't, the Winchesters aren't incredibly like foul-mouthed. I'm like, mm. if Dean doesn't say fuck, I'm like, he's not in character. Exactly. This is not an in-character fic. Exactly. It's so funny. And you can hear it in his voice, even though, yeah, this filtering is good one. I like, I like thinking of it as like censorship. Like, mm, because yes, it's yes. not like who they are as we see portrayed is not who they are. And that is so fucking interesting. Like, and you see it right at the end of the episode when they switch from the ghost faces perspective back to the normal audience perspective and like mm-hmm. you go from you're so used to the whole episode like the shaky cam because it's all filled yeah like filmed as if it's like handheld yeah. and all these things and then suddenly you go and it's really grainy and it's really dark and then you go back to like the <laughs> normal footage and it's like still and crystal like crisp clear and like normally lit and you're like oh weird you know like, like someone's edited it feels edited as opposed to like kind of janky editing yeah yeah and it's like oh this feels like clean you feels know professional like sanitize is a good description yeah. that you used before and like I love yeah I love obviously the fact that the the language they use is different but we also get like even at one point in the episode Dean gives the middle finger and it's like blurred you know because they can't do that normally yeah. it's just such a fun way to play it's such a fun way for them to get around the tr- like the real censorship of the network yes. because like obviously if you had an episode of Supernatural and it was like beeping the whole time because they're censoring the words it's not enjoyable to watch but no. like the fact that they got around that by making it a joke is just so it's genius actually it's it's so smart and I like wonder with Kripke like how yeah I wonder about his thought process behind this episode too like I don't actually know who wrote this episode but obviously he's Ben Edlund showrunner at the right right Ben yeah yeah Ben Edlund and um, it was directed by Bill Screezia I think okay but like obviously Kripke has is creative control as showrunner at this point um and I think about like later like projects that he's working on now like the boys where he's kind of said you know that some of the things he's able to do on that show are things he couldn't do on Supernatural because of the network and like that show is is just full of all of these like the you know these gritty superheroes these gritty characters these language the mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not sanitized the same way that supernatural is and yeah I liked what you said about like it's not filtering it's censorship because like the ghost faces are filtering their footage is filtered but the show in general is like censored, censored. yeah yes. and I think it's so it's so interesting to like think about because then you can apply that to any episode. You can go, okay, well, like what it's like uh, from a very supernatural Christmas that we were mm. uh, did with KJ and that scene where um, the, the goddess is saying, you know, like, you know what I like to say when I'm like having a bad day, when it's like fudge and Dee's like, I'm going to fudging kill you, you know, and <laughs> it's kind of up until this point now, that's the closest they could get to actually swearing. And yeah. so I do think it's like fun to see, how they work around because that joke is also almost funnier with the context that he does normally just swear like yeah exactly <laughs> like he's exactly. specifically choosing to say fudge like <laughs> like almost yeah. to humor her rather than like um which is just so fun and honestly one of the things that Jamie has mentioned a few times with a few of these episodes is that she wishes that when they commit to a bit they fully commit to a bit <laughs> yes it's true this episode they they commit to the, to the bit the, the whole, whole episode time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's and it's 
it's just like weird and yeah the shaky can't the fact that they don't they don't just do that to be like this is what we're doing and then we go back to like they commit to it the whole time it it constrains their storytelling in interesting ways like they can't be in every you don't get the same amount of like cut shots between different scenes as much it's a little bit more and And you can't get multiple angles and because it's like a point of view you can't see the person who's holding the camera Mm -hmm. one of the things i really enjoy about this episode is the fact that sam and dean are trying to have private conversations but they can't one because they're in close confines but two because to show the private conversation someone else has to be witnessing it which is so fucking fascinating as well because it's mm-hmm. like this reminder that like anytime they're doing something in private, they're not. Because we're watching this through, like you said before, like through a perspective. And, you know, I guess in most shows, that doesn't mean anything. But in this show, it kind of does. In this show, it kind of, and this is like our first like glimpse that like that is really the case. Like mm. they're really being like, yeah. that perspective, this is a unique perspective. This is a specific perspective. There are other perspectives on what Sam and Dean do. Yeah. Depending on who you are and what your position is. like. And if you're Ed and Harry, your perspective on them is they're the assholes from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> who are like fucking with your documentary, who keep showing up at the worst possible times. Literally. And I do, I'm so glad that we get more of Ed and Harry because they are fucking phenomenal. I love them. And their their characters are so, like, they're comedic relief, essentially. Like, that's what they're for. But their characters are so fleshed out in the way that they are comedic relief. Like, it's a very specific Ed and Harry brand of humour. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Jamie's making a face, like, maybe she doesn't agree. <laughs> what do you think of the humour in this episode, Jamie? Did you find it funny? I think there are certainly funny moments in it. And I think that they they really do, like, they push the, I'm really glad they committed to the bit because they get quite a lot of, like, mileage and humour out of just committing to this bit for the entire episode. Yeah. But I I don't know, it's kind of hard because it kind of feels like it could be funnier if they weren't just relying on the, uh, the joke is he's gay bit. So, it's like, that's eh. that's That's kind of fair. It's, that, yeah. Yeah, and that's what kind of what I said before. Like, I kind of want to, removing that section and just like because we we kind of covered the thoughts and feelings on that one but just like yeah removing that like particular segment from the overall episode I guess the rest of the humor is pretty on point yeah like it's nothing that's nothing else about the episode particularly age badly although I will point out I am not very well versed in it but I do know that there is like a particular remark at the beginning of the episode that is particularly racist I can't think of the exact quote off the top of my head no, I, I noticed it as well. I don't actually remember off the top of my head, head either, but... Yeah. So yeah. there is also that, which is obviously a, an issue in and of itself. But excluding those two moments, the rest of the episode, I think, lands pretty solidly, actually. I was certainly having but it's still quite bad. a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just, I think the fact that they just commit so hard, like the fake slow motion, like the DIY slow motion walk at the start, it just, it gets me, like they couldn't just film it and then make it slow motion. No, 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 no. They don't have enough editing for that. In slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) I want to just know more about their, how they've gotten from where they were in the first time we met them to now, because it's so amusing. Like they've, you know, they've gone from just being the two of them 
to like now they have this whole team there's like five of them we were two lone wolves and lone wolves need more wolves <laughs> like I don't think you understand what a lone wolf is <laughs> and it's adorable I know we've already talked about Corbett and his queerness and how it's represented in this episode, but I do have a couple other points on it that I wanted to talk about outside of his death. So <laughs> it's important. And good. I, yeah. So I wanted to, first of all, like, obviously, like we're talking about how, how his death was handled, I guess, or how, whether or not his death was appropriate in the first place. But there is a line right at the end of the episode where Sam makes a point of saying like, yeah, you really managed to honor his memory while also grossly exploiting the matter of his death. I feel like the fact that they put that line in the episode itself is interesting. It's some interesting, (laughs) almost self-awareness question mark. Yeah. That's why I thought it was important to note. Cause I was like, yeah, that's exactly what they've done. I feel like it would land better though if they hadn't already speed run buried buried their gays. You know what I mean? Like if they'd had a if they'd had a single queer person survive up to this point, wouldn't have felt so like oh yeah. I don't think it's them really um, reckoning with the fact that that's the way they've treated queer characters up to this point. Yeah, in the narrative. I just thought it was interesting that they're like self aware enough to like make the comment without actually themselves being themselves on the back without actually being self-aware enough to understand what they've done yeah or to do or to like do better to like not grossly exploit a queer character's trauma for the sake of the story exactly and while we're on that topic that's a great segue actually for my next points which is that Jamie obviously you're not up to this part of the series yet but Abigail maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about (laughs) Corbett talks about Ed versus Harry the way Cass talks about Dean versus Sam we're like (laughs) oh no I have not made that connection and that is very funny it's it's so true that it's like he's like exact same all these details about Ed and it's like uh, Harry's all right I guess and you know and you know it's like Cass being like you know all these and Sam's there yeah it's like that one cut scene from like <laughs> the end of season 12 and it's like that cut scene where like Cass and like Dean are having a conversation and it's very it's a very interesting framing of it and uh then I think the the description was Sam is running in a field chasing something question mark I think was the <laughs> the script and it's just so funny to me it's just like guys you know and also on that when ed is doing his speech to corbett's death echo he says you meant a lot to the team you meant a lot to me and that's a really interesting inverse of later in the series when often it's you mean a lot to me all of you mean a lot to me kind of thing. Like it's very much, instead of going from the the group to the singular, later in the series, there is a multiple instances of going from the singular to the group. Of like almost couching your thing where you're kind of being like, you mean a lot to me. Oh shit, I just said that out loud. You mean a lot to all of us. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) I mean, that's the gay panic a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm the gay person. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. And I thought it was a really interesting inverse of that because that's, I think, at least twice in later series, they do that where Mm -hmm. they say, you know, one thing, oh, immediate caveat, all all the things. And so to do it the opposite way in this episode where they're like, well, this is explicitly queer. I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting to have the inverse later where they're like, 
it's ambiguous, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and we're a little scared. We're a little scared of making it explicit because we've now gone from like doing it with secondary characters that are not regulars in the show to like, like, oh, the protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, when the protagonists start to say similar things, they're like, ooh, if we don't caveat this, they might, the viewers might get a certain impression. <laughs> and it's really interesting. I also, along that same lines of like kind of the, the similarities, the scene, the shot where Corbett comes up to the car, like there's a quick shot of him like appearing in Ed's like, oh, reminded me of the scene. I think it's in season nine of Cass in the, like the blue vest when he comes oh. up. <laughs> yeah. I just, all of a sudden that scene's like popped into my head. Like oh, that's, that's so it's the same shot. It's the same shot. I also just want to put a quick shout out to Corbett 100% doing that thing that you do when you kind of are into someone and they have an interest and you don't really care about it and you don't really get it, but you're like, yes, I'm going to make this one of my interests because I want them to like me. Corbett's whole reason for being on this team is this. Yeah, he does not give a single shit about ghosts. Like, if, if he does, it's like the most minor... He doesn't care. He's he's there because he likes Ed. And that's like, <laughs> that's it. It's very pure of him to just be that. And he's so committed. He's so, like, loyally committed to what they're doing. Like, he's off doing the research. He's, like, putting in the time. Wants to get time with Ed. And I kind of love that in the, like, before Corbett's death, I kind of like that in the on-screen interactions that we get between him and Ed, they're very, like, nice. There's that a moment in the episode that I quite like where Corbett is, like, freaking out when he's on a solo with with Ed. And it's like, dude, just breathe. Calm the whirlwinds of your mind. It's like, first of all, what a funny description. But also, it's just, like, a nice... He's not making fun of him. He's not telling him to get over it. He's not being, like, come on, like, man up or anything. He's like, just take a breath calm yourself down I'm with you it's gonna be okay like we're gonna be fine and I was like oh that's like I get why he likes him you know <laughs> honestly Ed and Harry for like all that they're like sort of portrayed as like these you know dudes that are operating out of like a parent's garage and like they're not very responsible they're like emotionally more intelligent than at the surface it looks because yeah like they're they're the way they respond to several things in this episode are are not they're not like putting up this like not macho masculine front when they're even when they're scared later on in the episode like their instinct is to huddle together not to be like I'm I'm fine or like not they're not they're not being like I'm not scared they're like no I'm, I'm fucking terrified, terrified. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I will get in the salt with you in the very tiny little salt ring and cuddle up with you to like <laughs> yeah and even like the whole thing with with Maggie like even though the Harry and Ed like they have like their scuffle or whatever when Dean comes in it's like guys you're being fucking stupid like people are going missing like fucking get over it they're they actually apologize to each other they don't just go all right and like walk away they're like I'm sorry you know and it's it's not it's not easy for them to say it and they don't love saying it but I like that they actually do apologize because they didn't necessarily have to include that they if Sam or Dean had been having a fight I don't know if there would have been actually an apology <laughs> I think they would have just been like yeah that was fair and then like not ever addressed it that's very par for the course with them that has legitimately happened yeah exactly <laughs> i was gonna ask why we never just got a ghost spaces spin-off because i think that would be fucking hilarious there is a oh. mini web series but like <laughs> i'm talking about like a full spin-off that runs concurrently like the cw did with all of their dc universe shows with it right because <laughs> and then i realized it's because they like the protagonists don't repress enough emotion 
Yeah, for 2007, no, they weren't. That wasn't happening. Do you do you mean like one where they actually hunt the supernatural or just one following them as they think they hunt the supernatural? Just one following them as they think they hunt the supernatural. Just them running social media campaigns, I think would be fucking hilarious. Oh, it would be so, so, so funny. Just and then Harry get a TikTok. What would have happened if they, if they, if like, what would have happened if Sam and Dean didn't like completely destroy their hard drives? And like they send the pilot in and actually got picked up. And like from there, what would have happened? And then going to like some places that are, yeah, general genuinely haunted and other places that just aren't. Them just like filming fake footage and then also doing real stuff. Yeah, that would actually be so funny. Like I get why Sam and Dean do it because they're like, we are on the FBI wanted list. We cannot afford footage of us. <laughs> they're dead now. No one's looking for them. They're dead. Yeah, but that's precisely why. Like, Dean she's probably and not. his younger brother, who was an unwilling accomplice, both got killed in that PlayStation. <laughs> I understand why they don't want this pilot out there. Yeah, even if it is mean, even if I do like, it's funny because as from like a story perspective and from a Sam Dean perspective, I'm like, yeah, no, makes sense. From a like creative person perspective, when I think about the sheer amount of work that like creating anything like that amount of work and when I think about like someone just yeah because it was like a full 40 minute episode yeah someone just dropping basically just wiping out all of my hard drives because they would probably have other stuff on there too like them just entirely obliterating my whole I think I would cry I know I would cry if someone did that to the podcast oh god <laughs> podcast, yeah, same. I, would, I would I think I would just like fetal position cry <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had a thought which is that now when you're editing, like, so like if we record for like an hour and a half, right? Like it takes three or four hours to edit that down. Like on a good day, 40 minutes of not just audio, but visual footage that's also had like graphics added and bleeping and all this stuff. How long between that hunt actually happening and Sam and Dean sitting down to watch that episode that they made? Like, did they call them and be like, hey guys, come watch our pilot? But it's, it's just, ready it's ready now we'll show you it now it's been six months <laughs> but not just that because it's not just like a foot but they had they would have had like 20 odd hours worth of footage because like it yeah. was the entire night and they had two or three cameras rolling oh and almost also, the entire time plus they had the like interviews and the, the interviews and pre-thoughts and like the other clips from other times bits that they had with ed and harry and the outro bits with ed and harry they must have had a really fucking quick turnaround though because in they're like dean's like oh sam says to dean you've only got two months left it can't be that so, long it cannot be that long my god how did they do that this is the <laughs> this is the genuine plot especially this episode. Uh, back in 2007 like we have technology like we have softwares that like make some of that those jobs easier like and a little bit less tedious. But actually, no, it would be more footage than that. I was very conservative on my split because I think they actually have four cameras running for most of the night. So four times even maybe eight hours. That's insane. So like that work all just disappearing in a second, like- oh, I'd sob, I Like, I, I'd be like that, mm, I hope Ed and Harry, you know, picked themselves up after that and we're like, you know. <laughs> Or that's the spinoff. Is the spinoff is Ed and Harry being like, we're going to hunt those fucking Winchesters yeah. down. <laughs> we finally like, got rid of Henriksen and like Gordon and they're like, right. <laughs> and now it's going to be Ed and Harry are coming after them to be like, why'd you fuck with our pilot? Season four antagonists are just Ed and Harry. <laughs> just bumbling their way to try and try and find them. 
Oh god, that would have been fucking funny though. Also, that would be hilarious as a simultaneous show, especially if they don't ever find them. Like maybe it was the whole <laughs> season. They run a whole season of just Ed and Harry looking for them, and then maybe they bring the two shows together for like one episode, culmination episode, culmination yeah. episode where they address it, and then and then Ed and Harry do a go off and do their own thing. But it'd be very funny. <laughs> I love that so much. I did want to ask you guys a question. So. In the season two finale, we talked about how the demon can apparently just teleport people fucking anywhere, which is something that I didn't think that the show ever brought back. But in this episode, the ghost just full on teleports Sam. True, yeah. That's true. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. But Sam, like, no, yeah, Sam disappears between fright. Yeah, Sam's just fucking Mm. gone. And I just like, I don't think there's much to talk about it. I just thought it was weird. It is weird. The whole Death Echoes thing is also... Like one that they... Do we ever see that again? I think there's one other time we see it. It's not for quite a number of seasons. But I <laughs> don't think it's quite the same. that Creole is a death echo? This was the next thing I was going to ask. Yeah. Because kill, is, yeah. well... I think that would be a good argument. Both Creole and Molly. I just couldn't remember yeah. Molly's name. I think that I think there's probably a lot of ghosts throughout the show that would qualify for like a death echo based on that. You could almost even argue that the um, ghosts in Asylum were death echoes. Yeah, pretty much any ghost. That, I mean, in, in that sense, the, the difference between like a ghost that's a death echo and a ghost that's like a vengeful, like some might be both. Because if the, if the only qualification for being a death echo is that you're like reliving the experiences of your death, like a lot of ghosts have that. A lot of ghosts are that. I get the feeling that maybe a death echo is sort of like separated by the fact that they don't really impact their surroundings. Like they're reliving it very much in like the bubble of their own experience. Yeah. Whereas ghosts are able to still interact with the like world around them a bit more, I guess. Like even Mm -hmm. if they're following the same patterns, they're still able to like interact with the world. Whereas a death echo was literally just like an apparition that's just kind of stuck, I guess. I wonder how you end up becoming a death echo versus a spirit. And like, yeah, that's a good question. there's like I can't really say it because it's like so far in the future for Jamie but there's a there's a like they have conversations about I guess it happens a few times where they talk about like how people become vengeful spirits is because they can't let go but also like how do you become a death echo specifically and why is that if you can't let go but in a different sort of way than someone who becomes vengeful because it would seem to make sense I wonder if it's almost like an image without a consciousness the death echo like, I wonder if, like, the actual person's oh. spirit is at rest, but it's just, like, almost like a footprint has been, like, the mm. actual person has moved on, but the footprint is left in the sand kind of thing. Like, it's just, mm. like, their impact, like, their energy, maybe? See, because I thought it was more, it was less about whether they themselves as ghosts are vengeful spirits and whether they are tethered for some other reason. Like, the death yeah. echoes in this episode, they're tethered because of their bodies being in the bomb shelter right but then I feel like we would see death echoes a lot more than we would see other kinds of spirits yeah in the future we don't tethered by their bodies they're also tethered by the ghost of what's his fucking name it's very complicated and not very clearly explained at all and because they don't really come back to it a whole lot in future episodes although I do love the scene we get of Dean just yelling in this guy's face hey wake up be dead it's just (laughs) I, I do love that. I thought it was a very fun, like, just scenario, I guess. It's just, like, so bizarre to me. 
Especially while Sam on the other side just deadpans the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> like Dean doesn't go in, no explanation, just goes over and starts screaming at this ghost. And Sam's like, yeah, it's a death echo. Sometimes you can snap them out of it. Give it a crack, I guess. But also that bit of exposition is purely so the plot works. <laughs> oh, really? Honestly, yes. <laughs> I do have another point. And this is more of a character analysis one. When Sam's been kidnapped and he and Corbett are in the, the bunker and, you know, with the ghost, Dean is like frantically trying to figure out. He's like flipping through all the notes. He's like going through all the things they know. And he's like, okay, like he, you know, brought home cadavers and he was like a World War II, like nut and like all these things. And he gets to a point and he realizes he's like, it's a really lonely life. And then there's like a beat and he's like, oh my God, he was scared. And he like has this, he's like, he was scared. That was it. Because he was like, and it is interesting to me that he's like going through all these things and he gets to like the part where he's like, he was lonely. And then it's like, it just clicks for him. He's like, oh, he was scared. And I'm like, seems like maybe you made some connections that may be based on personal experience. (laughs) I would love to hear more about that. (laughs) And we just had mystery spot two episodes ago. He had to watch Dean die a million times and be alone. He understands how that can make you do things that you maybe wouldn't normally do yeah so I think it's really interesting as like yeah as a comparison in for mystery spot having Sam have that like what loneliness did to Sam and then like I guess Dean having not had that same experience but like knowing what it is to grow up lonely and to be lonely like while Sam was at Stanford for example and he was Mm -hmm. like hunting by himself we know that he didn't have any real permanent relationships outside of Sam and John and like maybe you could argue Cassie for like a month for him to like make that connection between being lonely and being scared I just thought was really interesting and like there's no other thing there's no other clue that he gets between those two jumps it's just that he he fully associates being lonely and being scared and I'm like oh sweet summer child (laughs) oh it's been a rough go for uh two and a half seasons (laughs) okay I think it's time for my PSA this week. <laughs> okay, this is always fun. I love having extra people to ask. What do y'all think my PSA is going to be for this week? Oh, I forgot to think about this. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't go into houses that are haunted and don't don't break it. Don't break into properties like illegally without a permit. I love I love don't go into houses that are haunted. That's my favorite. <laughs> I first had it, I was like, this doesn't qualify as a Jamie PSA because that's not a real thing. Um, I better change that to something that can actually be a thing that someone would do. Oh, <laughs> look, I love that you know my rules are that it has to be a real thing. Yeah, it has to be actually helpful as a PSA. My PSA is open lines of communication. <laughs> Got to be upfront and honest with people. Do you have another guess or are you sticking with don't go into... Don't, <laughs> don't, into tres- don't trespass. Don't trespass without a permit. Or, or <laughs> if you're trying to sneak somewhere, don't play your fucking music. Yeah. You're trying to get arrested. <laughs> why does they, why do they drive up with the music blaring? It doesn't never make any sense to me. This isn't my PSA, but do you think Sam and Dean had a permit? No. No, fuck no. When would they ever have a permit <laughs> for an abandoned house? They would just pull out one of their many IDs and just be like, we're here to do like a fucking like, well, that's clear. Burn that's what they do. With, that's what they do with the ghost faces. They're like, we're the police, despite not looking at all like police. <laughs> no, my PSA for this week is: don't make out with someone when you're in a life-threatening situation. 
yeah i was watching that and i was like oh yeah i forgot they did this why are you having this why is this side plot here <laughs> how is it necessary to have like a makeout scene in the middle of this episode like like what about this situation is making you think i need to kiss someone right now yeah <laughs> But like the thing is, adrenaline. they don't just kiss, like they have full on making out. Like they're not just like, it's not just like, oh, I'm really scared right now. Get a kiss. There you go. Done. Not comfort. This is like no, horniness. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. In this situation, there's a ghost hunting you and your friends down. Okay. So your PSA is don't make out when your life's in danger. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, lives being endangered. Did you guys pick up on the gamble reference in the episode? This is the hospital, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the the hospital where the janitor worked is the Gamble General Hospital. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's great. I don't think I picked up on it before, but this yeah, this morning when I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's a little bit fun. That's sweet. <laughs> Though the scene with the toe tags where he's like, oh, yes. He's, oh. And they're like doing the math in their head. And the moment where it fucking clicks and they're like, oh, I did love that. <laughs> Choices were made. I do love in the episode the fact that they have their own theme song and that they have their own like little, oh God, I don't know what you call it, like bits, I guess, like within the show. Like they've got like their little like put their hands in and they like all like one, two, three, ghost faces. Like I just, I think it's so funny themselves up for a tv show they want to be able to like come back call back to these things it's very staged but also very genuine it's quite charming i also as soon as you said they have a theme song it like immediately came into my head i think i've had it off and on in my head all day since i watched the episode literally last week when i was asking jamie like oh like what do you predict for next week's episode she was turning off like all of our recording setup and I was sitting there like looking at my phone and I was singing it and I was like go go spacers like <laughs> and then Jimmy like looked at me like what are you doing and I was like huh nothing <laughs> I was like oh so ready for this <laughs> and I kind of love at the end when Sam and Dean are like leaving and um I can't remember which one of them says but that they kind of liked the show like at the end of all of it he was like you know like I kind of liked it and I think that's just very yeah. fun I think it it felt genuine it didn't feel like it was just another jab at yeah. them you know it didn't feel like when they talk to them when they're like oh this is you know you've really done something here it felt like yeah I think it just genuinely felt like he was like you know what like I kind of liked it like for all it for what it is yeah. like you know it was all right it reminds me of um points in the series when we get like Dean admitting to like kind of liking something he feels like maybe he shouldn't it's just it's just like a little bit of fun and even Sam being like oh you know like it had its moments <laughs> it's just I think it's yeah, them being like able to acknowledge that, them being able to acknowledge that like these these this team worked really hard on this, and like you know, not bad. It's it's kind of got its own little charm, and you know that it, that it was really heartfelt. Mm. You know, like Fred and Harry, like yes, they're creating this thing that they want to like be able to sell, but also like because they're passionate about it. It's kind of like um like a Buzzfeed Unsolved if there were two Ryans. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I did get big buzzfeed unsolved energy from this entire episode that's not incorrect <laughs> um oh Jamie there was a quote that I thought you might relate to rats, rats are, are like the, the rats, rats of, of the, the world, world. <laughs> Jamie's not a rap fan I'm a rap no. fan <laughs> so you had two very different reactions to that quote is what yeah I, I used to have pet rats Jamie hates rats <laughs> ah I see I see I see the other thing that I wanted to talk about is we got a recurring ghost attack method, which is interesting. In the season 
two finale, like uh, All Hell Breaks Loose Part 2, we see John's ghost mm. hug the yellow-eyed demon into submission somehow. It makes no sense. Unclear. It's very confusing. <laughs> we talked about it ad nauseum. But it happens again in this episode where Corbett just like full-on tackles this ghost and then they just, that's, that's kind of it. That's enough. And I'm like, how slash why? Like, I don't... It's because the ghost was lonely and he finally had a ghost friend. Yeah, but what about, like, the bone? It just doesn't really match with the fact that, like, usually the bones you have to, like, get rid of or whatever's holding the spirit to the... And it's interesting that, you know, a human couldn't do that, but another spirit Yeah, can? like, I don't know, you've got to be on the same plane of existence, maybe? But then also, they just, like, disappear into a cloud of smoke. Yeah, unclear. You're like, is it heaven? Hell? Somewhere else? Unclear. I just, I feel like, yeah, it's just, it's very, very odd. And yeah, we never get an explanation. Like, it could be kind of like you said, like he got his ghost friend and then that was enough. But I don't think Corbett was looking to be his friend. So I don't think that can be it. Not based on that attack. No, it definitely seemed like he was attacking him. It reminded me, yeah, of like John hugging Azazel, like at the end of season two. And it just like, it making no sense whatsoever. You're like, okay, I guess that works because it's convenient for it to work. Because spirits can't pick up a gun. Like, a spirit can't pick up a gun and shoot it, so... The only, the only instance I can think of outside of these two episodes where, like, you have, like, hugging as a tactic is in season 10. I want to say 10 or 3. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, I know. <laughs> and at least... But that works at least that for one makes a really sense. specific reason. That works for a really specific lore yeah, reason. And I... I um, <laughs> It like immediately popped in my head. That's the only <laughs> thing that I can think other than these two. Jamie's, the gears are turning in her head right now. <laughs> Red sky at dawn. Do the brothers hug? Oh, the ghosts from that episode. Yeah. With uh, the, the ghost ship and Bella. I have not rewatched that one yet for our podcast because we're So basically the plot of that is it's a ghost and there's a ship. And if you see the ship, you die. And it's if you've specifically betrayed family members because the ghost was betrayed by his brother who led a mutiny against oh, okay. him. And Maybe that is another example then, to get of ghost on ghost violence. To get Bella, like to save Bella's life because she's seen the shit, basically what they do is Sam summons the brother who led the mutiny right. against the first brother and then I don't know if they hug though. Yeah, I can't remember. I just remember making a ghost family therapy joke. <laughs> I don't know. Well, look, maybe. Maybe that's the third instance, but that, that brings the count to four. That seems like also a different sort of situation too, like, because it's, you know, it makes more sense that your family member might be able to put your, your spirit to rest as opposed to like some random one that you killed. Especially if it's specifically the family member who was responsible for your death. Oh God, you guys, we're all idiots. The fucking pilot with the woman in white and the kids. But they don't hug her, they just drag her into hell. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's like ghost on ghost violence, but yeah, it's, it's like in the same vein. It's difficult because the inconsistencies, like they're inconsistent, but they're also not. Like they're very inconsistent, but they're also very similar. And so it's always not quite. It just sort of works, but they don't explain really why on a like lore level. I honestly don't think Sam and Dean know why. Like I think they just- It just works out for them in these scenarios. Every case they're just like, let's just see how it goes. They're like, we'll just give it a shot. And, uh... Well, and they know how to generally get rid of spirits, so, like, they'll fall back on one of their other strategies if this doesn't work. And this is also, like, not something that Sam and Dean suggest. This is, like, Ed and Harry figuring out that. They, like, take the information they have about death echoes and are like, 
maybe maybe yeah, this maybe. well i guess corbett kind of figures it out and really so props to corbett <laughs> take an initiative saving the day no longer just an intern a full fledged, <laughs> fledged ghost ghost spacer. Spacer. i have a note and i don't know what it's in reference to <laughs> I it love just that says for you. sucked into an alternate dimension. <laughs> Very specific. I note don't there. know what it's about though. <laughs> Maybe the ghost death. It's right at the end, so I might be. Who knows? I guess we'll never find out because you won't rewatch the episode. So yeah. <laughs> that's a mystery to everyone, including me. <laughs> I am unknowable. So that just about does it for this week's episode. Jamie, how would you rate Ghost Faces out of five? I think I'm going to give it a four out of five. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I did really enjoy it. I yeah. will say that. Like, And I do think it's very interesting, like the ghost faces effect. The like meta-analysis of it all. And meta-analysis of it all is really interesting. Could have been improved if it didn't have the very gays in there, but eh, it's supernatural. <laughs> that's what I'm expecting at this point. It's kind of like your guys' bestial test. It's like, look, it didn't pass, but we're not surprised. Yeah, but like, you know. Disappointed, not surprised. Yeah. I'm not mad, just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Literally. I, occasionally I'm a little mad, but you know, usually I'm just yeah. disappointed. I've, I've worked through mad so long now, it's just disappointed. Okay. And the next episode is called Long Distance Call. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, fears, predictions, mm-hmm. hopes, dreams? So I've heard the name of this episode. Ooh. I don't know anything about it, though. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were like, going to say, like, oh, yeah, I've got an idea from this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the other day in the group chat, KJ and Abigail said something about um Tombstone. I'm like, yeah. is that the gay cowboy one? Yeah, like, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that that's when you know the episode name for already. But no, I don't. I've heard, like, the episode title, Long Distance Call. Mm-hmm. But I have... <sighs> I don't think I've ever heard anything about like the plot. What what would be your best guess? It's a ghost who like is haunting the phone lines. Who's <laughs> <laughs> like I an antique that. phone or something and you try like you think, oh wow, <laughs> lovely interior design piece. I'm gonna try and make a phone call. And it like murders you through your ear. <laughs> I was following with you. I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean I murder- was so on board until that last second. Death by telephone. The other the other option is it's something to do with demons or maybe even ghosts and how they can hear the chanting in hell. They must have super hearing. <laughs> okay. Do you have any other thoughts or predictions or are you are you happy with that? Murder telephones and super hearing? What other what other theories could I could I spout could basically? What could I posit? I mean I'm happy with those if you're happy with those. I think those are really funny. I'm very excited to hear how you feel once you see the episode. <laughs> I'm excited for I'm excited for in in like what seven like, months. Yeah. So if that is all for your predictions, then yeah. that just about I try to think of something serious and it just it, eh. just didn't happen. No. Nah. So that just about does it. If you wanted to uh, interact with any of us anymore outside of listening to us ramble for the last hour or so, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at 
Driver Picks pod. I think it would be really fun to go over there and just brainstorm some like ghost faces spin-off shows. I think that mm. was what plots could we have? How could it tie into Supernatural as it stands? Pitch me a show like I'm the CW. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a CW show in 2007 specifically. Specifically. Yeah. Yes. It has to be era appropriate. Exactly. <laughs> and if you want to find Abigail, you can find them on Twitter at Queering underscore things <laughs> and I think if you have like a favorite example of the ghost faces effect or like an implication of the ghost faces effect that's like new or different or exciting like hit them up I'm sure they'd love to hear about oh it. yes I would love to talk to anyone who has ghost faces effect ideas I think it's the most fascinating it's such good meta like fodder really mm-hmm. like you can really sink your teeth into yeah. it past <laughs> present go to go to season one go to season 15 all of it all of it works <laughs> If you want to interact with Beth, you can find her at Driver Picks the Podcast on Tumblr. And you should go over and tell her your favorite examples of supernatural actors that are in other things, actors that you can't see as anything else other than their supernatural role, or actors that you can't see as anything else other than their non-supernatural role, Ted, in this episode. Yeah, exactly. I would absolutely love that. I am incapable of seeing any of the actors that I know from Supernatural as anyone else. It's just a physical impossibility for me. We're sitting there watching Leverage and she's going, yeah, but that's Crowley. Yeah. It's not Crowley, that's Crowley. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah, that one will mess me up too. I will have to start watching Leverage if you're doing a podcast about it. That will be enough because then I can keep up that pace. There is incredible meta about Crowley and Sterling actually being the same person and just that it's his alter ego. It's actually oh. really good. It's actually, it's actually really good. Fascinating. <laughs> like that's sort of what he was pretending to do to like, yeah. yeah. And Jamie hasn't met Crowley yet, but when she does, that's going to be a whole heck of conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you are looking to find any of Abigail's things, you can find them in the link in the description of the episode. We'll have it all set there for you. Like Jamie said before, you can always find them over on Twitter at queering underscore things as well. Absolutely. If you haven't gone and listened to their episodes, what are you doing? Please go do that. (laughs) Thank you. That's very kind. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's actually, honestly, so much fucking fun. I <laughs> We've been on this call for like six hours, I think. And it's, it's, oh, it, last it. time we were like, it's, we're never yeah. going to record for like seven hours again. It, and here it's, we are. It's been six hours. Yeah. Yeah. We've done well. <laughs> it's not just podcasting, it's Frenchy. Exactly. I love that for us. <laughs> true, true gift here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and hopefully everyone listening has had as much fun um, as we have recording (laughs) and hopefully we have you back next week. Bye. Bye.